Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer joining you. It is currently 1233 in Edmonton. You're listening to Oilers Now. Roos Chris Steakhouse, the greatest steak you've ever had. Edmonton owned and operated. Open Wednesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until close. Head down to 99.90 Jasper Avenue. Tell Brendan, Maggie, and Taylor and the staff at Oilers now. That's Taylor. That Roos Chris. Let's try that again. Head down to 99.90 Jasper Avenue and tell Brendan, Maggie, and Taylor and the staff at Roos Chris that Oilers now sent you. Uh, we just had Philip Kemp on the show. Jeff has texted me to say, Bob, I'm a former NCAA player, and Kemp will surprise you. He's so steady back there, and he's a much better skater backwards than the average person you, you know. Well, I, I got to tell you that uh, one of the – I mean, when a, when a guy says he grew up idolizing Dan Girardi and the player he'd like to model his game after is Rob Scuderi, I, I can't recall the last time I – I had a prospect be that honest with the uh, type of, of, like, you can be a pundit and have that. I'll give you an illustration. In 2007, when the Edmonton Oilers drafted Alex Plant, I was doing a show at another place at another time and had a column in the Edmonton Sun and said that Alex Plant uh, had the foot speed of Jim Weimer which to me was very concerning for a 15th overall pick. And as it turned out, Alex didn't play a lot of games in the NHL. He was actually a little bit more competitive than I thought he was going to be, but not near as good offensively. Uh, and the Fizzler has texted me to say, Bob, I'm with you. I just want to watch hockey and send bad texts to your show on a daily basis. If there's no season because the owners and the players can't come to agreement, it will be a tough pill to swallow from the Fizzler. Well, what's happened here is the uh, landscape has changed. Every day we have continuing issues with COVID. As we bring aboard... Our special guest for Touchback Safety, our Oilers Now headliner. When it's time for safety training, trust the experts at touchbacksafety.com. Your safety is their goal. Brian, sorry to keep you waiting as I uh, mumbled away for about a minute and a half there. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Bob. How are you? Oh, we're, we got a lot going on here. We got some more provincial uh, shutdown. Some people think not enough. Other people think it's just fine. There are a lot of people worried about small business. Federal government admit, has admitted that uh, um, we're not going to have uh, the vaccine as quickly as Americans or the Brits or Germans. Uh, some people are blaming the Harper government in the past for that, and others are blaming Trudeau. It's interesting times to navigate. Then I see the story today, uh, no conversations between the NHL and the NHLPA. So we got a lot going on. You know what I'm saying, Brian? It's been that type of year, Bob. There just it, is a lot going on, and so much so that we can't even just talk about sports on a sports show. Absolutely, and, and that is the reality of the situation. Like, uh, but I am going to have some fun late in this interview with you. Just let's get started with NHL NHLPA conversations. Apparently, the dialogue has been quite quiet. This after the NHL went to the PA and requested a sixteen uh, percent deferral on top of the ten percent deferral and to change the escrow for a couple of years. It was not received well by the NHLPA. You've been an NHL general manager. 
you were the number one overall pick in the NHL. Uh, you've also headed up one of the biggest hockey agencies in the league or in the business with Octagon. I, I do think it's understandable that the players would be a little bit perturbed by that, is it not? Yeah, it certainly is. I actually saw some uh, strong comments from my old firm, who I really haven't. I hadn't talked to this particular agent, Andy Scott, who gave yes. a rather scathing interview in the Ottawa Sun, uh, just expressing what, you know, really seems like common sense. Players are, the players I've talked to are certainly, you know, a bit perplexed. I think the reality is, is that this has been a fluid equation. It's very tough to peg. Um, you know, there's so many different dynamics going on right now. It's a lot to unpack. Uh, you know, there's no longer the ability. I was a part of the last strike in the NHL, and that was when we used to not have language about preventing those types of things. That was 1992. We went on strike at the end of the year, about two weeks before the playoffs, and it ended up leading to a very, very quick resolution, I might add, for a new CBA because – you know, ownership groups back then made the majority of their money in the playoffs. Uh, that was very quickly changed by a very young Gary Bettman. That was his first real go-around with the National Hockey League Players Association. And uh, here we are now, all this time later, and, you know, I have a lot of players bringing that point up to me, that, you know, the NHL and the NHLPA have a deal, and they need to play. And yet, um, you know, there's no agreement. And, you know, some people have intimated maybe we won't play. Players are looking that looking at that as a potential lockout. Uh, that would create a lot of liability for the National Hockey League in terms of a potential lawsuit. There's just a lot going on. Do I think all that mumbo-jumbo cold fusion is going to happen at the end of the day? No, I don't. Uh, but there certainly was – it was certainly received a lot more – Horror, I guess, would be the right word to say from the players, and I then I thought some changes might be. That's for sure. It has lit a fire under some, certainly some groups of players. Um, right. Do I think we'll reach resolution, Bob? Yes, I do, a hundred percent. Just going to take a little bit more time. All right, educate the listeners here. Oh four, oh five. You're with Octagon. In what was, I mean, we had a lockout for the year, right? So. That was that was a tough one. That saw a change in the guard as a result uh, with the NHLPA. That sort of was the end of Bob Good now after that. Uh, and so 94-95 lockout, 04-05 lockout, 12-13 lockout. But now you're in a different role in 12-13. You've worked in management by that point. Is this completely different because it's the pandemic? And that's the fluidity of the situation that differs from those past lockouts. It is, but what just just one little nuance there. When we went on strike in 92, we had a collective bargaining agreement that had not expired. So, you know, you can term it a lockout. It's really a work stoppage. There's no new CBA and the parties can't agree. Therefore, you don't start a season. That's perfectly legal. What isn't legal is if you have an agreement and, you, and either the players say, we're going on strike now. I know we just signed this deal, but we don't like it. And we're not going to show up to work. That's illegal. Just like it's illegal for the NHL to say, nah, we don't really like things either, even though we just signed a new CBA. So we're not going to have a season. 
Neither party has the unilateral right to do that. That's what's different in this circumstance. Now, the uniqueness, Bob, is that there's a pandemic going on. There's health concerns around the world. They're real. There's border issues. There's so much, so much white noise that it is not as clear-cut as, say, when we went on strike way back when in 92. We were able to do that because it was not preventative language in the CBA. That is not the case today. All those times you just referenced, they were in between CBAs. CBA right. had expired, new ones being negotiated. That is a big difference for all the listeners out there for what's going on right now. Now, it's not as clear-cut as, hey, the NHL has to play. Otherwise, that's a forced work stoppage or lockout, and they don't have the right to do that. There is a pandemic going on. There are a lot of issues that are real. This is not made up. These are not issues of convenience because we want a new collective bargaining agreement. And that's why I think both parties have kind of paused here to reassess their positions and not much is going on. I expect that to end after Thanksgiving here and for both parties to get back to the table and figure out what is realistic. What is going to become an increase, and you can mark my word, this is going to happen in Canada. I'm surprised it doesn't already have more momentum. You're going to see some guys, certainly some of the hockey insiders, start to bring this up. Vaccination, vaccines, and the fact that the countries that are producing them uh, are indebted to those countries. So Canada is sitting waiting for, as it stands right now, Canada is going to be waiting for vaccination when their American neighbors have it. So for all the criticism that comes from Canadians towards American politics, some of which is completely legitimate, may I add, uh, the reality is the Americans are going to be, they're going to, you know, vaccination is going to occur first in the U.S. for doctors and nurses and all those key critical staff and their citizens. And that's a game changer, isn't it? It really is. I hope the way that this goes is there isn't that type of favoritism. I hope our neighbors to the north get equal treatment. And equal treatment to me is not to vaccinate the general population, even in the United States. It's to vaccinate the people that are in high-risk positions or ages. That means all Canadians that are healthcare workers. That means all Americans that are healthcare workers. I hope we can come to an agreement like that. Obviously, I have strong feelings towards Canada. I've worked in Canada. Uh, I've been involved with hockey all my life. It's given me a living. I may be a little bit more skewed towards Canada, but that is the way I feel. And I hope at the end of the day, not just America and Canada, but really around the world, we can come together more than we've seen in the past to try to kind of kick the rear ends of this pandemic so we can get back to normal. Brian Lawton joining us right now from the NHL Network. Of course, headed up Octagon's player agency for a number of years. Uh, that agency represents both uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and uh, Leon Dreisaitl. Uh Speaking of RNH, I'm told ongoing are the discussions. How it, put your like put yourself in Ken Holland's shoes because you've been there as GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning. How would you even assess valuation on a contract extension if you're not sure what the financial landscape is going to be uh, in upcoming years? Uh, incredibly difficult to do. And, and, you know, for all the fans out there, if you want to ever kind of get a deeper look as to what's going on, always do take the time to look up who the agents are of different players. For instance, Louis DeBrusque, his son Jake. Everybody right. knows Louis. Everybody knows Jake just re-signed with the Boston Bruins. 
was a guy that probably under normal circumstances would have executed a long-term deal, probably north of five, five and a half million bucks a year. Uh, didn't happen right now because of the uncertainty. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, he's somewhat in the same position. He's not coming into his second contract the way Jake DeBrus was, but he's coming into a time when a player typically gets a long-term contract at a very favorable number. A lot of times it has to do with being, being paid for your past performance. When you know in the future, at some point, everybody ages down in terms of their performance. Ryan's got quite a long way to go to that, but that's always a consideration. That's making this negotiation, I'm certain, much more challenging for both Octagon and Ken Holland. What do I think will happen? I think at the end of the day, um, because there's another year left, it could just be played out and resolved next year. Or you could see maybe something shorter term agreed to now. But I don't believe you'll see Ken Holland entertain a long-term deal at really favorable or even fair numbers for the player right now. I just think there's too much uncertainty, and that is a tough ask for Ken Holland to have to answer to. There's just been too much uncertainty for Edmonton Oiler contracts in the past. That's something the club's trying to get away from, Bob, if you ask me, in my opinion. Yeah, and you, you bring up DeBrusque and you bring up R&H because the same agent handled uh, handles both players. That's Rick Vallette out of uh, Edmonton, uh, or Rick Vallette, who uh, works in uh, southern Alberta, but has been around uh, these parts for a number of years, dating back to when he was the general manager of the Prince Albert Raiders. Did you, By the way, did you hire Rick at Octagon? I did. I did. Yeah. I did. Rick's a fantastic guy. He's going to do a great job for Ryan, just like he did for Jake. Uh, you know, the toughest thing you do as an agent is to walk into a guy like Jake DeBrusque, who's looking around and he's seen all his peers, a little bit older than him, kind of ring the bell pretty hard. And then his time comes up and he doesn't get a chance to do it. And yet the worst thing you can do is drag that on, delay it, create a lot of chaos and uncertainty, and ask Jake, and then you end up in the same spot anyhow. It's Don Sweeney. He's not a foolish general manager. He does an excellent job for Boston. So that's a tough thing to do, though, just walk in there and say, look, let's just go short. It's actually the best thing to do if you're representing a player like Jake that you know is a real player, going to play for another 10 or 12 years, but it's still hard to explain, even when your dad has been in the business, played in the NHL, you name it. Uh, there's just a lot of personal emotions that you're dealing with when you're negotiating for a player in that position, and then you throw a pandemic on top of it. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Now, in, in fairness, I don't believe that Jake had arbitration rights, and Nugent Hopkins is one year removed away from being a free agent. So that would work probably a little bit. I think we can agree to uh, R&H's advantage in, in terms of the negotiation there. What about what about Boston kind of having a self-imposed cap, right? Like I know like Krejci makes like 7.4, but Bergeron is underpaid. Pasternak, on a, albeit on a six-year deal. Remember, the Oilers got uh, a guy by the name of Leon Dreisaitl, eight-year deal. I had to laugh, Brian, because... To your, uh, in the summer of 2017, when Leon got his contract extension in late August that year, people were saying it was amongst the worst contracts in the league. And then uh, I believe it was the Athletic did the, or maybe it was, yeah, it was the Athletic did the, the top 20 best contracts in the league. And McDavid's and Dreisaitl's were considered two.
two of the top 20 best contracts at the NHL. Shows you how things can change a bit. But uh, in Boston's case, you know what? Even even Mar- like Marshawn, Pasternak, and Bergeron have all been underpaid. Th- that is is that something that an agent realizes when they're going into a negotiation with the Bruins? Oh yeah, there's no doubt about it. And you know, it's just like when you're dealing with Lou Lamarillo. It's a tough, tough hill to climb. Um, you know, I mean, even let's just remember back when Lou was going about signing Austin Matthews, Brendan Shanahan had to finally step in and say, Lou. Give this guy all the bonuses and let's get going here. If he's that good, we'll be delighted to pay him. Um, you know, that hasn't been Lou's modus operandi. The Boston Bruins, they have their own shtick that they march to, and they've been having great success with it. They've got really, they've been really fortunate with the players they've signed long term. And more than anything, some of their guys like Brad Marchand have come out and said, look, I don't care if anybody makes more than me. The team can say that. Um, I hope people would consider taking less, but I did my deal. I had a chance to join, and it is what it is. Everybody should do what's right for them. There's no doubt in my mind, though, Bob, that it is uh, Don Sweeney has just done a really good job of getting everybody in line there, and it's helped the Bruins to have serious staying power, even as you know some of these guys are aging out, like Sedano Chara. Other guys are just getting older, like Patrice Bergeron. Um, but I see them continuing the good times in Boston because of the job Don Sweeney's done. It's critical. And, yes, you are fully aware of that when you're Rick Follett. You don't have arbitration, as you pointed out, and you don't have any option other than to withhold services, which is not a great thing right now in this pandemic. We're joined by Brian Lott. He's the Reuters Now headliner for Touchback Safety. Uh, Bob Stoffer with you in Reuters Now. It's funny. So, you know, hard and fast has been Sweeney's approach. I know that when the Oilers signed uh, Taylor Hall and Jordan Eberle and then also ended up signing Ryan Nugent Hopkins, you know, Nugent Hopkins was coming off a five-goal season when he got seven years at $6 million. Now, I, wa- I don't want to be a hypocrite here. I grew up in Edmonton and watched Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messier got, get, got sold. Those guys both got sold. I wanted R&H, you know, Hall, Everlate, sign long-term, just like I, because, you know, once bitten, twice shy. But it does show you the difference. Like in Edmonton, because they'd lost some of their best players, an organization wanted to make uh, make it clear and apparent that they were going to get long-term deals done with their guys. Same as McDavid, eight years, versus Austin Matthews, five in Toronto. Kind of shows you the different, uh, you know, I guess maybe what's important in each market. Uh, clearly, and, and make no mistake, you can be a hero on one contract and uh, an absolute goat on another when you're a GM. There's just so many variables. Like you said, Ryan Nugent-Hopkins coming off of five goals. The Oilers step up, they pay him, and Ryan's play has been nothing but superlative since then. If it had gone the other way, it would have been an unmitigated disaster. Leon Dreisaitl, I could make a case that that was a terrible contract. The combination of Connor and Leon was terrible. Why would I say that? Because the highest paid players in the league were making ten and a half. If Connor had started at 10-6, Leon would have started at 7-6. But in the end, those are great contracts. They've worked out fantastic, and I'm sure Oilers fans are thrilled at Connor's on the length of deal that he is, and so be it with Leon. So you can chop these things up any way you want. It's all a bunch of baloney, if you ask me. You make the best decision you can. Sometimes you're right, Bob. Sometimes you're wrong. I know you're paid to make these decisions, but nobody 
and Ken Holland could certainly articulate this better than anybody. Nobody gets them right all the time. Just look at the last, you know, four or five years in Detroit, some of the long-term deals that were signed there that didn't work out. As a GM, Ken knew what he was doing. He's had an incredible career. He's a fantastic GM. He made some bad calls. Friends, Nielsen, Justin, Abdelkader, those were bad calls. It happens to everybody. It's the guys that can get through that, pick up the pieces and move forward that end up being great general managers. I would suggest that Ken Holland is absolutely one of the great general managers of the National Hockey League the last certainly 20 years. He deserves that recognition. Brian, final question for you. Uh, I asked Oilers fans today, name a player from a rival team that you really liked, even uh, you know, even if it was the guy that, and I mentioned Jerome McGinnell. Like for me, Jerome McGinnell is a Calgary Flame. I love Jerome McGinnell. The fact that he's a Hall of Famer that was born in Edmonton and raised in St. Albert maybe adds to it, but first-class guy. When you were playing, and uh, you played in the old Chuck Norris division, was there a guy that maybe you didn't like playing against, but you had the up- utmost respect for because he was a hell of a player? Um, there was one guy that I really feel that way about. Everybody will kind of, everybody will know him. He played for the Chicago Blackhawks, and that was Steve Larmer. He just played the game so gentlemanly, but all he did was have success and rip you apart every night. He used to drive me crazy. I try to hit him. You try to get under his skin. Nothing bothered the guy. He was cooler than the underside of a pillow. Did his job every night. In a respectful way, had incredible success, incredible longevity, never backstabbed anybody in the league, never backed down from anything either. Uh, He was a guy that not only did I have great respect for, but I really enjoyed getting to know later in my career. He's just a terrific human being, and he was a terrific player that really right is on that cusp of the greatest players that ever played in terms of getting into the Hall of Fame. He is right there in my opinion. Brian Epstein's mother has just texted the show and said, we need Brian Lawton involved in those negotiations uh, between Don Fear and Gary Bettman. Uh, they'll get it worked out. You got, you know what, the, the smarter people you have on both sides, the higher percentage chance you have of making a deal. Uh, Gary Bettman, Don Fair, these, these guys are sharp. They know what they're doing. We'll get it done. Be patient, and we'll get it done. Great stuff. Brian, thanks for your time. Thank you, guys. You bet. That is Brian Lott. He's our Oilers now headliner for touchback safety. When it's time for safety training, trust the experts at touchbacksafety.com. Your safety is their goal. Into NHL today for elite promotional marketing. Elite is an Edmonton-owned and operated company. Elite Promotional Marketing, your local branded merchandising specialist. Head to ElitePromoMarketing.com. And a guy that etched out a great NHL career after a tough start, spent a lot of years in the minors, shut it down today uh, due to injury. Here's Brendan Escott. Johnny Boychuk, the player you're referencing, retiring due to an eye injury that he suffered last season. So he ends with 725 career games played, that over 13 seasons. And, of course, uh, he won the Stanley Cup with Boston back in 2011. Uh, His former division rival, Philip Deneau, and the uh, Montreal Canadiens reportedly still in square one as he enters the final year of his existing contract. uh, Square one of extension talks is what I'm saying in the final 
final year of his contract season here. Uh, 3.08, he's getting paid right now uh, after putting up 47 in 71 games last year, 47 points. And other than that, the NWHL has announced plans to start its season on January 23rd. All six teams uh, competing inside a bubble at the Herb Brooks Arena in Lake Placid, New York. There you have it. It is currently 12.57 in Edmonton. We'll remind you, coming up today at uh, one twenty-five, uh, Oilers Now Trivia for a $50 gaming credit to Greta Barr. You might need to know a little about the NCAA on that one. I think that's the route we're going to go. David Staples is coming up from the Cult of Hockey at one o five today after a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.